Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. We are days away. And depending on when you're listening or watching this, we are less days away from the start of Penn state training camp. So your questions, what's on your mind. You're the show director today on the BWI mailbag show. Myself and Nate Bauer, senior editor are going to get into what you want to know heading into the final days of summer. Now I know August is, is still summer, But as soon as training camp hits, it's the fall, baby. BWI Daily Edition Mailbag. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Uh, Nate Bauer, senior editor, as I mentioned in the introduction, is going to be joining us. He is here now. He is Front and center, and I'll put you even more front and center. Say hello to everybody, Nate. Whoa. Let's not get carried away here, <laughs> T. Frank. How you feeling today? How's how's everything going on this lovely Thursday before we get into the mailbag questions? Hey, you know, there's some kid stuff, ear infections. But other than that, great. Um, when you said days away... And then looking at the calendar and realizing it actually is single digit days away, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's there's like this dichotomy of dread, excitement, right? Like, oh fear. my, yeah, like, dr- <laughs> yeah, all of it combined. Like, oh my goodness, summer vacation, vacation is over. Like, right. it's back to the grind. But also, it'll be nice to get back around football like i just it's you know uh you and i just went this week to 
a, a practice availability for men's basketball. And, you know, I, I don't know how you felt about it, but it's cool. <laughs> it's, it's cool yeah. to be back in, you know, there, there is still, uh, after all of these years, a novelty to being around incredible athletes, right? Like, oh, yeah. They're just, it's just amazing the things that uh, these guys do. And when you're up close and personal and can see it, you know, with kind of that courtside vantage point or, you know, sideline vantage point in the, in the case of football, there it still uh, creates a little bit of a buzz uh, and generates some excitement. So looking forward to it. And- yeah. And, and, and whenever there's people gathered and there's excitement about something you're doing and people are coming together for a common cause, even if you aren't a part of it, you feel the excitement and fall. There's always just a certain level of excitement. And uh, for us, for you and I, the, the level of dread comes with, so you know how you work 40 hours a week. That's, that's now over. Like you are now working until Christmas. Uh, but no one, really cares about that nate they want to get is it and is it really work (laughs) is it really work when it's well when i'm watching film till 1 30 in the morning it it does feel a little bit like work so not to not not to uh not to not to be that guy and be all gripey about my great job but a little bit a little bit there's there's some dark sides that's true let's get in the mailbag before i say anything else controversial Best way to get your questions on the BWI mailbag is to subscribe to Blue White Illustrated. You sign up bluewhiteillustrated.com for $1, get 12 months of access. Lions Den message forum members, they uh, I don't want to say they take first priority, but that's we always answer the questions from there unless there's something we cannot answer or uh, there is no answer. You know, sometimes we'll reply directly on the board, but you get your questions answered if you follow on Twitter at Thomas Frank Carr. You can see it here on the screen here on YouTube. Uh, that goes up Wednesday night. I was watching a DIY show, so it went up at 10 o'clock last night because I forgot. But uh, it always goes up Wednesday night. You can always answer Thursday morning, and you'll always have it on the BWI Daily Edition Mailbag Show. So let's get to our first question, which after all of that, Nate, actually comes from YouTube. <laughs> oh. Because uh, oh, yesterday dear. you and I were, were previewing the season, season preview part one quarterbacks in MSCAT, he uh, he donated to the channel because he wanted to have a question answered. So I wanted to make sure we got to his question today. He says, do you think we'll see Mike Yersich attack the middle of the field this season? Interesting question to start us off. Interesting way we can take this, you know, a number of different ways. So, Nate, yeah. what's your first thought when you see that question? I think my first thought is it's threefold, right? One is that's where Parker Washington lives, right? Yep. Uh, two, that's where the tight ends live. And three, that's where Sean Clifford doesn't seem to like to throw the ball. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, yep. so something's got to give. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm stealing from you. I don't want to take your thunder, but I mean, you, you have laid out, I think pretty clearly that, that's just not an area of the field that Sean Clifford has shown much comfort with um, certainly last year. And then I would guess dating back to 2020. So yeah, if that's the case, right. It's just how comfortable is Sean Clifford? How, how adept is he at 
you know, taking advantage of some of the matchups that he's going to have. Because to be honest with you, you would think, and I would think that those tight ends are going to be a mismatch and that yeah. the bulk of the mismatch that those tight ends are going to generate, whether it's on a linebacker or even the safeties, right? I mean, you're talking extreme height differences with the safeties yep. that they're going to face. Um, you know, is, is Sean Clifford going to be comfortable enough to, to take those riskier throws, right? Yeah. Yeah, and there's so there's different coverages and different ways you can attack the middle of the field, right? So if we're just going to be very basic about it, cover three, you're going down the seams. Cover two, you're going down the middle, right? And then cover four, you have to find a way to fit it in between the two levels of the defense. Um, so it, it's it's one of those situations, or you need to have a great route concept that pulls somebody out of a zone. So there's a bunch of different ways you can attack the middle of the field, but it's not necessarily even the middle because they did last year. They flooded the underneath zones. Parker Washington was great at catching a ball for seven yards, getting eight and then a first down, but not much more. So that yep. part is fine. It's about getting the catch and run opportunities for those tight ends over the middle where they can do serious damage, where they can catch the ball one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker, break that tackle in the, in the open field against the safety, maybe outrun him, maybe run him over, those are the situations I think Penn State needs more of that yards after catch doesn't just come from, uh, you know, Jahan Dotson deep down the field. It comes from the opportunity yeah. to get the ball 15 yards down the field and then have him run for 24. Let the let the receiver do some work. And that has been a problem for Sean Clifford, I think, when it comes to uh, anticipation. You see a lot of these throws when you are anticipating where the zone opens and closes and the confidence to put the ball there and trust your receiver to catch it. Uh, there's a lot of those plays that can be made, and he did make some of them last year. So it's not a blanket statement. He didn't make any of them. Yeah. I would think I would think also, um, you, you know, and you can explain this much better than I, but when – when you're vacating right that first level, second level, and the, the kind of those dump off passes to your running backs, um, yeah. you know, you would you would think that finding Nick Singleton in a one on one with a linebacker is exactly what you want, right? In the in the passing yeah. game, but that's yep. it, it feels to me that that's different from what the question is asking, right? Like the question is asking, yeah. hey, are they are they going to take designed passes? between the hashes and I mean, my guess would be yes. So there were ones in the bowl game. I, you know, I pointed out in the film study of, I thought Bretton strange was open a couple of times and Sean Clifford, for whatever reason, didn't target him. And, you know, you can see, you can make the argument, the safety could close on that, but not every safety closes on every play. So there were opportunities. And I talked to Seth Galena of PFF earlier this off season, and we had the same conversation. I said, Targets over the middle of the field seemed hard to come by. And he said, well, if it, they're calling those plays, so if you don't want him targeting the that area of the field because you don't want him throwing interceptions, and that's the real reason you don't throw over the middle, there are more bodies, right? So if you're calling those plays, you kind of want him to throw the primary read. And if the primary yep. read is a deep crosser to the tight end or to Parker Washington and he passes that up for something else, then, you know, it's not entirely on the quarterback. So I don't think there will be as many limitations to the offense this year. We talked about that yesterday on the show, but it is all up to the quarterback. He's the trigger man. He's going to decide yep. where the ball goes. Let's move on to our next question. Yeah. 
<laughs> Nittany Lion Nation asks, offensive and defensive player that will surprise this season? That is a statement question. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you do think? You, uh, okay. I'm going to I'm going to go Tyler Elsden. Okay. I think I think that qualifies, right? In terms yes. of people just don't know much about him and he'll play and I think he'll do pretty well. Uh, so, so, uh, but Chop Robinson might be there too, just because uh, as that nature of transferdom, right? Like whether or not yep. the broader yep. fan base really has any idea of who he is and what he does. Um, certainly I think he would qualify too, but I'll stick with the first one because they're asking for one. Um, yeah. Tyler Elsden on defense and offensively. I mean, Nick Singleton doesn't count, does he? Does he count? <laughs> so I was this this will lead into my my answer because I was looking at something yesterday. We have 365 days of shows here on the yeah. DWI Daily. Uh, that's on our podcast, so that means every show that we've put on audio form. So there are there are no surprise players. We have uncovered every stone for Penn State football. I think every single player has gotten their name mentioned here on the show in the off season. It's like. Uh, um, at this point it'd be like, where's Waldo of the guys that we haven't, we haven't talked about. So this one's tough. I mean, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like it has to be like Jaden Dotton, you know, like, right. Like there's a guy that nobody talks yeah. about, but Mason stall. There's my answer. Mason stall. Okay. He's going to catch about nine passes and two of them will be important. And I, I you know, something like that. Yeah. Again, I, one against Michigan for a critical first down. I, I think I think that the what what I try to do is recognize that the overwhelming majority of Penn State fans who are are absolutely fans don't mm -hmm. follow it to the level uh, that obviously we do, but also that subscribers of ours do, right? So like right. everybody right. knows about Nick Singleton unless you are kind of a normal Penn State fan, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I, like, I so I have a, I have a gym friend, uh, and I, David, the gym, he, he talked to me the other day and he's like, dude, I checked out of football all, all summer. Like I didn't pay attention mm -hmm. at all. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's, there's I, a lot of people do that. I, I get that. So I completely hear what you're saying. There are certain fans that maybe now that we're getting, and I think it'll be like the first five days of training camp right once we start yeah. seeing stuff and the buzz starts happening it's never immediate it's never right off the bat unless you have like a team that maybe has national championship hopes uh but you know somewhere around the eighth day of of training camp we're gonna get into the full swing of everyone's back on board so with that in mind i'm gonna go on the defensive side with the guy i keep talking about this year um there's two but i will pick this time i will pick zaki wheatley six two Great wingspan, great athleticism. I like a bunch of other, uh, I, I think I have this in common with fans that when I see a very talented player, an obviously talented player, I start the clock too early. That being said, the spring was very encouraging for Zaki Wheatley. He was the turnover king. Uh, he had uh, got his hands on the ball in the spring game. I got to see it. I got to see his downhill trigger on slant routes. That's going to be really valuable. I just think that he's got the, the, the length and the athleticism 
and the football intelligence backing all of that up to make plays. So that's my defensive guy. And then on offense, I is Olufashanu an answer here? Can he be an answer? No. <laughs> As the no. starting left tackle? No? Okay. Because no. I think he's got uh, he's got superstar potentials from what I've seen. Again, it may be too early, but we're talking about who's going to be a surprise guy. And a surprise yeah. guy is not Kevon Lee. So right. I still hold out hope that Keziah Holmes, who is talented, has a role somewhere on the team. But we'll see. Yeah. You know, that's that's to be determined I by the depth at that position. I, I might I might even argue Catron Allen as I mean, True. certainly we don't talk about him enough. Um, and, you know, it's just when when it's a two man class that comes in at that position and one has just deservedly so the amount of hype that Nick does, you know, um, then then I think it leaves a little bit of or it casts a little bit of a shadow to a guy in Catron Allen who honestly had as much buzz as anybody in the spring, right? He was a guy who I think that a lot of people were very, very impressed with how he came in. And, and yep. to be honest with you, it's the grasp of what they want to do offensively, right? He like that, a high having that background. Start. Yep. Having that background is just such a benefit to him that, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that he would, he would definitely, come across as a surprise or fit into that yeah. category if he goes off and has a couple of nice games at the beginning of the season. I don't know what his ceiling is. You make a really good point because I've always been focused on like how good he is out of the box, but I don't know what his ceiling is. I'm interested to see because yeah. he's lost about 10, 12 pounds since uh, IMG where he was a 220 pound tailback. Now he's about 211. Uh, so maybe about eight pounds, but like, you know, he looked good this spring. What does that look like? What is his upper end ability from a physical standpoint when he's in the uh, training program? Because he's always he's always come across as he's already like a sophomore in my mind as a running back. Uh, <laughs> this like a regular football game. We're spending all of our time on the first two drives and there's going to be a two minute warning where we have to jam in like four <laughs> or five drives. It's on me, the quarterback. I'm the offensive coordinator. We need to manage that better. So, Nate, <laughs> we're going to spend some more time on this one, though. Because we're gonna we're Great. gonna lay on this one to give our thoughts about the open practice as well. So Zlati asks next basketball commit. Um, so mm -hmm. first off, that and if you have anything to yeah. say about that, secondarily, I want to ask you what were your impressions of the open practice for summer basketball that Penn State held on Tuesday. The next basketball commit is a challenge, honestly. Um, I don't, I just, I, I, I don't know. Like I have, uh, certainly it is five, okay? In the class of 2023, the Penn State is just really all in on. Uh, I would put Carrie Booth at the top of that list. Uh, Reed Ducharme, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Amani Hansberry. There you go. Deshaun Harris-Smith and Devin Royal, right? Those are, those are the five. Devin Royal is a top 25 player in the country. It's just, it's, it's tough, right? Like, I mean, if, if, if Penn state manages to stay in it, he, he actually did just release, I believe on Monday, his final nine Penn state's mm -hmm. in it. Uh, I think that when there's a final four for him, Penn state will be in that uh, yeah. along with Marquette, 
Michigan State and Ohio State. But the kid is from Columbus. Mm. It's going to be a difficult draw for Penn State to get him uh, away from the Buckeyes. Uh, yeah. But if I had, if I had to pick, Kerry Booth, I would say Kerry yeah. Booth. You know, kind of a legacy recruit for Penn State. The the connections are strong there. They love the kid. They're they just you know it it, it is. Um, Penn State has devoted many many resources, hours, time, all of those things uh, to try to bring him in in this class, and I think that ultimately um, that will be successful for Penn State. So what were your thoughts of the team proper when we got to see them for the first time and, and all the new faces as well? What, what were your yeah. thoughts on the open practice? Yeah, I thought they looked good. I mean, I, and I told you this and I said it on the message board and I will just continue to repeat it over and over uh, until I'm blue in the face. Jalen Pickett is a stud. He he is a really good basketball player. He's smart. He leads. He, he just uh, he's got an uncanny uh, floor sense, I would call it, right? I mean, he just sees things that aren't necessarily easy to see. Um, and I think that he has the confidence of Micah Shrewsbury, right? I, th- I think he has the confidence yeah. of his teammates. And so that that is kind of the, it's not necessarily um, a sexy pick as the first thing that stands out because there are eight new pieces to the program. You've got yeah. five true freshmen, you've got three transfers. And so everybody wants to know about those guys and that's warranted. I think that those guys, um, many of those eight are going to end up playing a factor, uh, on the team this year. They're going to get good run. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, <laughs> when you can start with Jalen Pickett and Seth Lundy, you, you're in a really good place. So those two guys, um, Jalen at the front, and then Seth slightly behind, I think stand out yeah. for how they carry themselves and how they play in, in that practice setting. Um, but, one, but then beyond that, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the one thing I noticed, and and I was busy gathering photos and, and other things like that. Um, but what I noticed was it feels like Pickett knows – when to take over, right? When to keep the ball and when to be a part of the team, because there were moments we were watching pretty competitive uh, scrimmage and he would just blow by a guy, but he hadn't been like, he didn't do that every play. He picked his moments to when I need to be the guy that gets a bucket here. And then when I need to be a part of the offense of facilitating and passing and, you know, getting guys open with what I'm doing. So I thought that was a really interesting, um, subtle skill he might have of the yeah. young guys uh who stood out to you of the of the freshmen so uh keba i'm gonna mispronounce his last name uh big guy 6'10 235 yeah. is what he is listed at I, I don't know that he's quite like did you see 6'10 610 felt high to me. <laughs> so I <laughs> thought I thought one of the transfers was wasn't very tall. It turned out he was six four. So they're all very tall. Yeah. I am not used to the basketball perspective of athlete. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was, you know, six anywhere from six eight to six ten. Once you get over six yeah. eight, I, it feels hard for me to know the difference. He's tall, he's kind of skinny. Um he's I, athletic. But, but his his skinny is bigger today than it was when he signed at Penn state. And that was a point that Micah Shrewsbury kind of hammered home is, I mean, he's put on like 20 pounds already. So uh, yeah, uh, if he yeah. continues to work and can get bigger, I, he certainly looks like a guy who's fluid and will be able to, to handle himself. It's just a matter of yeah. 
you know, when you're, when you're facing some of these 250 pound, 260, you know, forwards in the big 10, how, how much do you get pushed around? How much strength do you have? Right. How much are you able to, to handle yourselves de- defensively? Right. So for Keba, that's kind yeah. of the big, the big thing. Demetrius Lilly, on the other hand, who was another big man, both of these guys are going to have to play. They just don't, they don't have other fives. So they're, yeah. they're both going to have to play. Lilly, on the other hand, is big. He's just a big, yeah. kind of lumbering dude, right? And so Very I think different. That if he, Those guys could not have been more 100%. different. If yeah. if you give Demetrius Lilly, who they call uh, Meech, if, if Meech has a year or two, right, until they really need to rely on him, I, I think there's great potential there. Um, yeah. he, he moves fairly well. He's a little clunky, but... Um, you know, give him some time. And I think he can develop into a player for them. And then honestly, the guards just I'll wrap it up here. <laughs> You've got yeah. three kind of very different. Um, well, Evan Mahaffey isn't a guard. He's more of a wing type. He's a little yeah. Josh Reeves in him. Um, kind of slim right now. We'll see how that holds up in the big 10. Yeah. Obviously they're going to want to tr- try to put some weight on him. Um, but then you've got Jamil Brown, who was kind of the, you know, the top ranked recruit of the class. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, he can play, he can play. And then Kanye Clary is uh, small. He's short. He, he looks short in person against, you know, other guys who are towering at six foot four and above. Yeah. Uh, but, but he was tough. put together. Yeah. So the, the funny exactly. thing is like of the guys, he was the one that was most put together, which makes him look shorter. Cause he's, he's built yep. and he's, Yep. I would even say short. He's probably taller than I am, but like you know, again, the 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 forest perspective made him look very small compared to the other guys. I don't normally yep. uh, have many opinions on basketball, but I know I told you this, and and I'm not saying he's going to be the best player out of this group. Um, and and I didn't really get a a, a long look at Jamil Brown, truthfully, but mm-hmm. the best athlete I saw as far as at pure athletic potential, the way he moved his body uh, composition, and also the way it was put together. Like you, you have guys that have legs that are maybe a little bit too long or their arms aren't long enough. And like, you don't have this great fulcrum and ratio of, of, you know, your levers to your, to your core. Uh, but Keba, uh, NG, NG, what I have, number three, you know, we were I'm literally, Keba. I'm looking it up right now. There's got to be a pronunciation. I had a much more confident pronunciation in my head before I said it out loud. And then of course I fall started on it. But anyway, yeah. he is the, he, he had the most athletic potential out of, out of all of those guys. I thought he was very intriguing as a prospect. So, and, and I said the same thing about Lamar Stevens uh, yep. and I'll call my, I'll retroactively call my shot here. When I saw him, Versus the other guys in that in that class with Tony Carr and everybody else, I said the guy who has NBA potential here, the best athlete, is Stevens because he can move at that size. I'm not saying that uh, Keba is that, but he mm-hmm. does have good athletic potential. There's, I do, I do have a, 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 at least a sense for athleticism. Let's get through this question. Yep. Uh, T.J. Parker has been the most impressive get in his opinion. For James Franklin to date, this is from Poncho 570. Many teams uh, in general normally do not have such success going into the heart of the SEC and pulling out a top 100 player, must let much less an elite pass rusher. Understand he's better scheme fit for Penn State than other schools. Uh, understand that James and company have uh, landed higher ranked players, 
but those players were within the usual recruiting footprint and the staff had to close uh, closer relationships with their players name the most impressive get by James Franklin and his staff and give your reasons why I think this is a really interesting uh, question and I'm going to push back on this Poncho and I'm going to say it is Parsons because it's also about who you're going up against who you're competing with to get those players Parsons is the highest ranked recruit under James Franklin I think Uh, he was like until maybe until denied Dennis Sutton something you know right up there elite elite top five player in the nation and they got him they got him in a competition with ohio state where it looked like they were going to lose him and then they didn't so that and and you get you get tj parker in part because you got micah parsons micah parsons is the ultimate recruiting tool for everything he's doing in the nfl for everything he did at penn state for what he has become and they're unorthodox i would say their um, creative path of using him, of seeing him as a pass rusher and saying, you're going to be a linebacker and you're going to be an all world player that can do everything. So TJ Parker probably doesn't feel the same way about Penn state. If they don't have this restoration effect of these pass rushers coming through Penn state. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I think uh, Drew Lahr has to, be in the conversation you know it's obviously yeah. early in the process yep. and we're gonna have to see how his career goes but look uh and this is this is acknowledging the downside is penn state does not have an established history under james franklin yep. of developing top quarterbacks and so yep. for something's got to break the cycle to, right correct and so i think that certainly Alar's rise right through recruiting and how he kind of went from a more or less an unknown into the superstar that he became, um, you know, that, that helped Penn state. If, if, if it had been a situation where Penn state was in on on the front end, but so was everyone else, then maybe that changes the equation a little bit. Maybe that makes that a tougher draw for Penn state, but you know, Hey, to Penn state's credit for identifying that talent, for being able to see, uh, what he was and what he could become. And then he became it. But look, to, to, to be able to weather the storm for a kid from Ohio, right? Like yep. who had yep. these major, I mean, he could have gone anywhere. That's, that's pretty impressive, uh, particularly at that position. It It is to me, the, uh, it's really the unquestioned most important recruit that you can get. Yeah right at the most important position uh and and he's the best player that they've done in terms of recruiting closing on a recruit at that position in his time at Penn State yeah I I think that's another and you're you're right they've got to start a run at that position like they have at others you know at running back and at uh for a time receiver and then of course at defensive end the the other thing about this uh about TJ Parker Poncho that I want to mention for those of you who um, subscribe to BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, recruiting insider Ryan Snyder, talked to TJ Parker about his decision to commit to Penn State. He uh, is an Army kid, so his family is from all over. And he said, one of the things that made me laugh, he's like, I hate the heat. So I didn't want to stay in Alabama. Uh, so Penn State, as much as like it was, and I think you make a lot of great points there, TJ himself was a unique person to want to branch out and go away from home, even if that's not how he felt yep. about home. 
So this is from PSU uh, 09 on Twitter. And I love this question because he asks, he's talking about uh, the quarterback for Purdue, O'Connell, O'Donnell. He can't run last year more sack yards than any sort of rushing attempts. Uh, Not asking you to watch Purdue tape, but in general, is it better to blitz a non-running quarterback or drop more DBs into coverage? This is such a great question. I love this question because it comes down to what's the quarterback? What, how good is he? Because um, certain quarterbacks, there's no right answer. So let me give you an example. Let's go to the NFL to have some clear, everyone understands these sort of uh, archetypes. There are certain coverages you cannot run against Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes. You cannot run a traditional Tampa 2. Because what you're doing is you're taking two safeties deep, and you're taking your middle linebacker, and you're filling in about 10 to 15 yards down the field. The minute a, an athletic quarterback sees that coverage, they know they can run. They know they have 15 yards. And when it's, it's Lamar Jackson, he knows everything, like all bets are off how far he can get. Josh Allen, same thing. Uh, so you cannot run those coverages against those quarterbacks. But if you play cover two against Tom Brady, it doesn't matter because he knows how to beat every coverage blindfolded. So even a non-running quarterback, you have to be careful if they're a good quarterback about giving the, the a guy too many of the same look. Because if you say, okay, we're going to play coverage against O'Donnell and, and then they figure it out and he's a good enough quarterback to then take advantage of the one or two coverages you're playing because of his athletic profile, then you do need to switch it up. So blitzing versus coverages... Uh, it just gives you more options when it's a non-running quarterback. And that would be, again, where I have to go and look at O'Donnell. Does he does he make quick decisions? Because if you blitz him and he's good at quick snap decisions, finding his hot route, then you put yourself at a disadvantage. So I guess when it comes down to a non-running quarterback, I'm more interested in now I have more tools in my coverage bag. So I would lean towards playing coverage and throwing everything at him. You're rolling from a cover four into a cover three. You got a cover two, but you're you know playing a split field look. So there's a bunch of different things you can do when you don't have to dedicate somebody to spy the quarterback. And the natural follow-up to that. Yeah, well, just to yeah. you is when you looked at Manny Diaz and what he did previously at Miami, is was that in the tool bag to, to throw the kitchen sink to, to have, yes. you know, this variety of coverages. Uh, yes, but it's done in a pressure environment. So he's playing a split field look where he's got a cover two look on one side, but it's man on the other and they're blitzing. So you're providing, he looks, you know, so if his read is to the right and he's looking over here first, and he sees one coverage and he goes, okay, on the backside. And he looks over here and for a split second, it's different. That split second is a sack because you've overloaded a, a gap or you've gotten a free rusher or something like that. And the hesitation of, of one side to the other gives you possibly the opportunity to get there. But if he's a good quarterback and he goes, oh, okay, it's just man. And then he knows where his dump off route is. And he doesn't freeze when he gets something different, a quarterback that's mature and done this a couple of times, they'll know, okay, so, this is shot, you know, either take the sack or dump the ball off or throw it away. So it, it all, it all depends on the quarterback. 
it all depends on how good that guy is because the, the, the offensive coordinator can know it's coming, right? So you watch film, even if I'm describing Manny Diaz's defense on, you know, the internet right now, you can go watch these things. Everyone can see it. It's how does the quarterback see it in the moment? Uh, Spencer Boken asks, and this, he knows you very well, Nate over or under 30 points <laughs> average for Penn state next year. Oh boy. Um, you're not like having another kid, are you? No, that might've been the most pregnant pause. <laughs> ah, <boo. laughs> All right. I'm going to go, I'm going to go over because it's not that hard to do. Um, <laughs> I need to, I need to look, I need to look at some stats here. Bear with me just a moment, but okay. I think that, I think that there were maybe roughly half of college football last season averaged 30 or more points. Now the big 10 was not among them, right? Like there were a bunch uh -huh. of teams that were averaging 25 or fewer points last season. Is that because the big 10 is better or worse? You know, like you are know, the defenses yeah. good in the big 10 or are there a bunch of self-limiting teams that like to run the ball and take possessions away? rather than go for yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably both, right? Like, I mean, Ohio yeah. State more or less lapped everyone, and they finished first in the country. Uh, I knew that I looked this up. Uh, number 50 in the country last year in scoring was Texas Tech at 30.3 points per game. Uh, there were, so there were 52 teams that actually scored 30 or more points a game. Yeah, I think Penn State can do it. I think Penn State should do it. Yeah. I was going to go Over. under uh, at 29 and a half because uh, I think okay. 31, like I, uh, 31 might be the answer, right? And it depends on, on games where do you get to 50 in certain games? Because yep. last year, one of the problems was even in games where Penn State was the superior team, they weren't blowing anybody out. They were not piling up points in in certain contests to pad that number uh nh penn stater one i'm assuming new hampshire maybe the 22 22 class ended up top 10 23 class is a good chance to do the same you know we're very close uh this is likely to be the best two-year stretch with james franklin at penn state do you think this is a sign of penn state possibly taking that next step in the next few years or simply cards falling right for Penn state. If you think it's a true change in trajectory, do you see a specific reason for it? I think it's the assistant coaches are, are great recruiters. And I think we've seen development from players on the field. So there's a more synergistic effect of getting higher quality assistance that can do both. And, and that's part of James Franklin's negotiations of his contract and the, yep. the package he gets from Penn state all of which you talk about stealing thunder is what I learned from you on this show. <laughs> no, I just uh, stacking classes is extremely important. And obviously yep. right. Penn state's class of 2021, it, it was lower ranked for sure, but yeah. probably I think Ryan Snyder has demonstrated over and over again, that it probably wasn't as bad as the perception was of yeah. it. Um, yep. But still the, like, 25 man classes that finish top 12 year after year after year, right? If you could turn two into three, turn one into two, like those yep. play out those, it just, it's, it's all there, right? Like it's all, it's, there's no 
mystery to this. Yes, you need some things to break right. Um, the transfer portal has become a bigger thing, right? There, there are individual situations that as a program, you need to work out for you uh, at certain yeah. positions. But yes, uh, the more good players that you recruit into your program and do it year by year by year by year, the better your chances are at success. And I think that that will come to fruition, um, you know, in, in the coming years. It's just a matter of what what, what is people's appetite for acknowledging where the program is today, right? In yeah. year nine of James Franklin versus yeah. what it could become in three years. Cause, because I think if we're being fair, that's the timeline is yeah. right. Drew Alar and Nick Singleton aren't going to pay dividends for you this year. I mean, Nick Singleton might, but Drew Alar yeah. is not. Drew Alar is like you cash out on Drew Alar in year three. And so well, yeah. maybe year two, but I'm just saying yeah. like the, those, those splash recruits that they just brought in and the splash recruits that they're bringing in, in this next class that it's going to take some time. There's, there's going to be that process, which is why, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I see people roll their eyes at a 10 year deal for, for James Franklin, but part of recruiting is assuring recruits that you want to be at this place as a head coach and that you you yeah. are committed to it and you're committed to the process you know that that has been assured more or less for at least the next three or four years and so these these classes can come in they can start to build on each other and yeah that there will be results on the field as a matter of that um looking it up right now just to make sure i know where it is you mentioned wanting to be at the university and, and everything that happened with Jim Harbaugh this offseason. Jim. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh. I mm -hmm. To the day I die, I will get those guys mixed up the entire time. Um, they're 24th. He tried to leave for the Vikings. And, you know, maybe he tried to leave for the Dolphins or whatever the things you can hear from reporting in the NFL was. And, uh, you know, the story is yet to be written. There are players out there. They can get players in this class but at this point they've got 12 recruits they're 24th in the nation penn state has 19 their class is almost wrapped up they have a five star and 13 four stars so consistency and you know for everything that everybody said about james franklin last off season or last season about you know why won't he just say he wants to be at penn state why won't he just he said every single time like you know i think i've proven i want to be here and then once the deal was done and the deal is in place, they continue on with what they did in the class of 22. And then you've got another guy who's like, I bleed blue. I am Michigan. Yeah. I am the epitome of the mitt. And then he dabbles with going to the NFL and you know, they lose Josh Gaddis. So a lot of things happen, a lot of change this off season for Michigan. And that change didn't help them on the recruiting trail. Valhalla Valley asks better. You saying it than me. I love it. Uh, that's a, I, I like that name Valhalla Valley. I like that one, which player on both sides of the ball quarterback excluded would have the biggest negative impact on the rest of the Penn state season. If they were lost due to injury. So not quarterback who can't Penn state lose. It's yeah. Hmm. Interesting question, right? Uh, a couple biggest. names pop to mind, right? Of just, you yeah. go down the, the list of the best players, Joey Porter jr. Um, you know, uh, 
drawn a blank. This is embarrassing. Um, Curtis Jacobs, those two names yeah. come to mind. Uh, Adisa Isaac, if he gets injured again, like, is that a name you can't lose? So just on the defensive side of the ball, those are three potential names. Are any of those do you think are can't loses? Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing that I would say about the, the secondary in general, because I would add Jair Brown to that, is just yeah. that the depth eases those situations Bingo. a little bit. I, I mean, I'll be totally honest. I, I think that no one in the starting offensive line, projected starting offensive line, can get hurt. If Penn State's yeah. offensive line is going to take that step this season, they cannot lose Juice Scruggs, right? Like, they just they can't. You, you cannot yeah. lose your center, uh, given everything that you've been through trying to solidify this. Olufashanu, you can't you can't go down. Uh, right. So yeah. Right. Um, I, I just, I, when I'm, when I'm looking at the offense, I see receivers, not that Parker Washington or Mitchell Tinsley could easily be replaced, but the depth of talent there is better than it has been tight ends, yep. depth of talent. The floor yep. is so much higher at those positions. Uh, Sean Clifford, if he goes down, Christian Vager can play, right? We we've established that. Can he play as well as, I mean, that's to be determined. We can't know right now. Um, yeah. running back. Yeah. You can lose a running back. You can't lose your offensive line. They just, they have, they have probably lifted the floor yeah. for the guard, for the guards, right. For the interior yes. of the offensive line. I think it's better than yep. it had been. Um, but, but even then you're really looking at six guys, right? Like mm -hmm. left to right. You've got two tackles, bookends that you know are going to play. They are starters, no doubt about it. Yep. You got the center. Yep. You know he's the yep. starter. Uh, you you more or less know Landon Tangwall is going to be the left guard. Okay. Yep. Which which means and then Sal Wormley and Hunter Norzad battling it out for right guard. You know, realistically means that they each could play that and could swap over to the left side if needed. But yeah, that still means you, you just you can't afford an injury there. So, yeah, I'm done. So who's good? Here's the other question on the interior, because here's the, yeah. the here's the picture I've painted this this offseason is J.B. Nelson. The went from 330 pounds at Lackawanna to 295 on the roster. So he has been doing some major, major work over the last year and a half to where he is as a lineman. I think like he needs to build up a little bit at this point. He needs to put some muscle back on. So is he, is he ready to play at 300 pounds? Let's just say he's going to be 300 pounds. Is he ready to play? Yep. Um, is, is, uh, um, I'm having a hard Golden, time with names today. What am Golden I doing? Israel Achumba is like, he's in that rotation that James Franklin actually mentioned him at that summer availability. Um, I'd have to see guy was, a snap from him. <laughs> I'd have to well, see that's like, what I'm, that's what I'm one saying. snap. He's been hurt. I talked to I talked to Phil yeah. Trowine about him. And, you know, Phil was saying, look, the Golden wants to start this year. Is that a, a reasonable path to believe is out there for him? Probably yeah. not. He, you know, he's looking at a backup role. But for the yeah. first time in his career, if he's not hurt, he should have an opportunity to get some reps. And so that's, yeah. that's part of that process of, you know, being established and creating a foundation to, to grow from. But yeah, like there's just, there's not experience back there yeah. in terms so, of the depth that Penn state has on the offensive line. There, there are, I guess this year, 
from what I've seen of these players on film, there are more options on the interior that I think have legitimate talent. And, you know, where Sal Wormley is on that on that road to recovery, I think the, the time of the injury, he'll be a year during training camp. That's better than it is if it's during the season. And then right. Vega Ioane is the last guy who has really good potential. Like, wow. Like, I can't, I can't tell you how excited I am to watch him play football someday because I want to see if he's as good as, and when is that timeline? So if some right. of these things on the interior break the right way for Penn State at some point, then if you lose the tackle, you go, we've seen Landon Tangwall play tackle. He has played every position but center. And this summer when I made that joke, he's like, yeah, but I've been, I've been snapping this summer. So, you know, I'm getting used to it. It's like, really? Yeah, okay. <laughs> this guy. So you're going to, you're going to play every position. He's going to, he's going to be good at every position by the time he leaves. So he can back up any of these positions that gives you a level of comfort, but it is not ideal. You're right. right. I think the offensive line that is, uh, that is the one place you can't lose any of your any of your starters, especially those tackles. Uh, let's go on to the next question. Losi's mustache asks something about lifting. Interesting here, the comparison he makes. Video of Nick Singleton uh, cleaning 265 pounds. Everyone is comparing him and the specific video to Barkley doing uh, his 405 clean, which I thought wasn't his freshman year. I thought that was later in his career, but he says it's his freshman year. I know the expectations are through the roof for Singleton's season, but are we going too far, Nate? Um, I, I, I would say no in the sense that it's just about what, what are you saying, right? So acknowledging Nick Singleton's athleticism as being elite is not hype. It's true. He, he is an yeah. unbelievable athlete. He, he has been trained for this. He, he is uh, a freak. He is rarefied air, fits the bill, should be on Bruce Feldman's freaks list this year. I'm, I'm just saying the truth, right? Like, he, he is that. Can he play football? Can he play, like, and, and when I say can he play football, I mean that in the broadest sense possible, yeah. right? Not just beating other high school defenses around an edge and running for 80 yards. We yeah. know that he can do that, right? We know that he can do that. Can he do it at in college? I think so. I, I, yeah. I think that, that his teammates, like, forget me. Who cares what I think? It doesn't matter. What you think matters a little bit more. But <laughs> when Jair Brown, when Jair Brown says something and yeah. says, like he's got that woo woo speed like that. Yeah. It's different. <laughs> that means yeah. something that that is like we just take our cues from what the people who see it every day think. And yeah, there, there has been nothing about Nick Singleton's presence on Penn State's campus since he got to Penn State in January that has suggested that he's not truly uh, you know, something of a unicorn in terms of his talent. Yeah. It's just about translating it to the field on a down by down, does like do it under the lights. Right. What does he right. have to do? So for let's take it in two parts. Let's take it. If Nick Singleton, the individual and the expectation for the individual and Nick Singleton, the running back in the ecosystem of Penn state's offense and what his role at a bare minimum needs to be, which is that woo woo speed. 
He needs yep. to he needs to bring that to the table as a real threat to alleviate some of the pressure on the offensive line in the passing game, both in their run blocking and just getting them in better situations, taking some of the everything we've said all offseason. All he has to do, if he can every other game rip off a 30-yard run, be a consistent presence no and a consistent threat. Is that enough for the hype? I don't know that question. But then that becomes about what Losi's mustache is asking here is he has to learn the playbook. He has to integrate into the, you know, his take on the maturity of the all of the things. But as you've pointed out, and I think you know him and his family and his situation a little better than most people, seems like a kid that was made for this, like a very mature individual. It's not like he's been sitting around all, all, all summer not learning the playbook. I imagine he's been putting in the effort as an athlete and as, you know, a football student to be yeah. up to that point. I'm expecting him to provide that part to yeah, make good I've, on all of this stuff. Yeah, no, I think, I think that all of that is fair. I, I, I but I, my counter would be that, and whether this was read between the lines, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I expect truly, I expect Sean Clifford to take a sack that he might not have otherwise because Nick Singleton is in the game this season, mm -hmm. right? Like, uh, right. Pass protection, blocking, th those things are not what fans necessarily pay attention to or are focusing on in terms of what they're talking about, right? Like Nick Singleton is sexy because he's going to run, he's going to hit home runs, right? Like that's that's yep. what he does. But yep. it's, it is those other elements of the game that you got to give him some room. <laughs> Like, but it tells you, you something. You can't have those same expectations. It tells you something, Nate, that what you just said is he might take a sack because Singleton's in the game and Singleton's still in the game. As much as we know that coaches want to trust their running back and they want to uh, be able to give uh, the best possible opportunity to the quarterback and protection and you got to earn to be on the field. If you're ripping off 40-yard runs, uh, pass protection is a secondary role. You've got to you got to tote the rock. So, and I think that the way we're talking is kind of answered this question here. How do you see running back carries play out during September? Presuming everyone stays healthy, it will not be dominated by one player early, but we'll see. Like it's TBD Ask after me. the first two or three yeah. games. <laughs> Change that to October and then let's yeah. talk. Uh, got a couple minutes here left. Want to get through these last questions here. Uh, if the O-line is bad or even worse this season, and I'm just going to say if they're bad, I will not I, I will not accept worse. Uh, would Troutwine be done? I'm assuming he means fired at Penn State. Or the O-line commits coming in 23 class enough to keep him around. I don't think it can be as bad as last year. Okay, glad we got to the end of this journey here together. But I've said that before. Thanks. Um, I, I hate... So, it's not like we are coworkers, you know, like I don't go into the office and like Phil Troutwine's not in the next room, but we, yeah. we work and we talk to these people and like the, it always gets uncomfortable talking about, should you fire this guy? Um, yeah. That being said, there are expectations about the job they're doing. And I think it's open for, conversation if the offensive line continues to struggle especially guys that have been here for a couple of years now if certain guys yep. don't get better 
I do think we have to have that conversation, but it is not to the point that fans have it already where they wanted to fire him last year. I think the evaluation period intensifies this season. I just, I I don't, one, I don't like that the only resort to improve a situation is firing. I, I hate that we've reduced our conversations to that in terms of football. Uh, yeah. However, however, um, you know, to to have that conversation on top of a dismal projection, right? Like you, you, you're assuming the, the negative is, in. Correct. Like not just yeah. the negative, the worst, right? Like the worst <laughs> outcome that they make no improvement yeah. over a bad season. And I mean, l- let's be honest, the floor is relatively low on this. The bar yeah. is low to have to clear it to make improvements. So, um, y- y- you know, I-, I think that James Franklin has demonstrated that he has a faith in Phil Troutwine, he he believed mm-hmm. in him when he brought him in. Obviously, that was a that was a move that James Franklin wanted to make um, because the guy before it's not like it was bad, right? It's yeah. not it's not like it was. Yeah. Um, it may have been inconsistent, but it wasn't terrible. Um, yeah, you know, it, Phil Troutwine was brought in to improve the situation. It just so happens that when Phil Troutwine arrived to Penn State, it was the worst moment in human history that an offensive line coach could possibly arrive at a place that didn't allow him to touch his players for the first six months that he was on campus. Like it it just, it, it it was such an, uh, unideal isn't a word. I don't think, Mm -hmm. but that's what I'm trying to convey. It was so bad of a situation. Uh, they've moved past that. There are some players on the offensive line that have some experience with him. He's not reteaching them from the ground up. It's not a rebuilding process. It's building on top of a foundation that has already been laid by him and they can get better. Yep. Yeah. Part of, part of it is those, those, and I've said this, I'll say it again. The guys on the left side of the line have to grow up pretty quickly. They have to, if Pense wants to be good and they want to be a, a good major step forward, definitive line in the sand improvement, everyone has to play to an acceptable level. And that means you don't have time for youthful mistakes. So that to me is a, is a important thing. New member here, the renegade, not just any renegade, the Woo. renegade is joining us and he signed up like for a dollar at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Yeah. No, but he's got two E's, so it's not copyright mm. infringement. So it's very mm. cagey on his part. Uh, mm-hmm. He signed up, bluewhiteillustrated.com, for just $1. Get uh, 12 months of access for $1. And you get inside the lines and ask questions. Glad I just signed up. We're happy to have you, the renegade. Nick Saban spoke in a recent interview about fairness in college football and in the NFL. The NFL has aspects of control, parity, salary caps, the draft, number of games played, rosters, all those things. Aside from controlling out-of-conference games, which Saban brought up, what other ways could there be balance in college football? Recruiting limitations based on rank, athletic budgeting. We got to balance the force here. How are, how are we bringing balance to the force? And please don't tell me that we have to throw a guy shooting lightning out of his hands <laughs> over an elevator. Um, I th- 
Yeah, I, I, and I mean, I'm, I'm going straight to it because I think that this is the future. It, it is certainly um, a big part of the presence, present, but it's going to be even bigger. Is a cap yep. on NIL distribution. Okay, so what I'm saying is, you can, you can bring in whoever you want, right? That's that's not mm-hmm. a problem. Players can make as much as they want. Um, they have legally that right to do it. However, right. um, y- y- you know, some kind of construct on your your NIL collective cannot yep. distribute more than this amount of money per year um, on the whole. And so it, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't inhibit you from having splash you know, endorsement deals or whatever, right? Like whatever your stars get. Um, But I just think it says like, okay, um, this, this notion that you can have, you can go to that one place in particular is going to get all of the best players because there is no limit to what their pockets as a, you know, as a donor base, whatever um, can give. Yeah. Like I I think that that is something that could be established by the NCAA. It's just, all of probably this not it's probably not realistic because they're going to get sued. So Yeah. All, all of this is problematic because the NCAA the thing that they don't have is they don't have an antitrust exemption. Yep. So when you don't have that, you can't operate like the any other professional league because the minute you try to limit somebody else's earnings, uh, you know, it's collusion. That's you're a monopoly. That's not legal. And I'm not a lawyer. I'm just kind of repeating things I've learned. So it's very problematic of how you fix this because it would be you know, set up a like a call a high school draft like in Major League Baseball. But can you do that? Do you get all of the teams to agree? Can you get a salary cap? Do you have a union? Do you do revenue sharing with the athletes? All of these things that are common at the next level. Can you do them if you don't have some of these constitutional and, and, and judicial exemptions? Because otherwise, like. I don't know how this works. I I mean, look, and this goes back to the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Of they're still going to class. You you choose your university also, right? Like, so you're choosing your program. Yes. But right. um, You know, what if they, what if, what if you get drafted to a college football program that doesn't have an engineering department and you want to be in engineering or or whatever PR, like you name it. I mean, it's just uh, taking away that free will of the the players. You can't, it's it's impossible. You can't have that. Here's me going. I don't know. Currently exists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tin man asks, which freshman do you get the fee? Do you get, sorry, which freshman do you feel get the green light this season to play more than four games? I actually did two articles about this over at the website, bluewhiteillustrated.com, uh, where I predicted all of the freshmen. I had four players that I thought were green lights. So, Nate, I'm going to just let you answer that because if you want to get my answers on that, go check out the articles. Nate, what do you four, think? Here? You had four for offense and defense, both? No, I had four total. I had four okay. players total that I think right now are hard green lights and a couple yellows that I could see leaning to be green lights eventually once we get more information. Okay. I'm going to guess what you had. I didn't okay. see it. I'm sorry. Nick Singleton. Well, neither did Tin Man. Yep. Denied Dennis Sutton. Correct. 
Katron Allen. Nailed it. One more. Oh, man. It's not hard. You you know it. You know it. Do I know it? Yeah. Am I the only other obvious freshman? Something? You are forgetting someone. Yes. Who am I forgetting? The unstoppable train. Myself. Oh, Zane. Oh, I'm yes. so stupid. That was dumb. Yeah. yeah. No, you Zane got right. it. Yeah. You got it. I that didn't, I didn't tell you. So yeah, you those said the four train. Players. I knew <laughs> the hype train has left the station for Zane Durant, and I'm pulling off the brakes. We are about to jump out and let it go over the cliff for Nick Singleton. Like we're we're almost just <laughs> fully off the tracks for Nick Singleton too. Um, so yeah, those are the four players I think, and I, I those are the obvious ones. Do you have any other guys maybe non-obvious that you put on this on that list? Uh abdul carter that's not bad that's not bad but we'll see but but yellow like you know what i mean that some of these guys they're gonna i think they would like to redshirt them right i mean i think that they would have liked to redshirt jalen reed last year um yeah you know but sometimes the situation forces it and you make the best of it right like there's no COVID exemption for classes from last year on. And so like you get your four years now, that's there's no do over. Um, So yeah. Psykim asks a question here, uh, considering that putting it nicely, the NIL program and the record of the last two years have not been top 10. Would you say the coaching and recruiting staff have done well with this recruiting class, especially after getting two commits for the top two linebacker targets last week in the self fashion TNT. Tony uh, Rojas and Tamia Robinson. Uh, Your Honor, Sykim is leading the witness. <laughs> would you say they've done quite well? Yes, I would. Yes, yes, I would say they have done very well. I'd, uh, Nate, this is an area where I know we're trying to learn more and you're doing more digging on the NIL situation at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Do we know how to gauge what they have to work with? Um. You know, so I just think that there's a couple of different things going on, right? One is the collective and the health of the collective. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you had Jason Belzer on the show. This was public. It's not, there's no mystery to it that they would like it to be better, right? Yeah. Everyone, Penn State proper would like it to be better. Success with honor would like it to be better. Um, and so those are things that th- their optimism is built on, Hey, they haven't had commercials in the football stadium yet. There, there has been nothing to really like kind of solidify. They launched in February. So there hasn't been that moment to galvanize support. So we're going to make an assumption that that will get better getting into the football season. Uh, But the second thing that I think is happening um, is, you know, kind of some of these individual deals, Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. there, there actually is a camp being put on with, seven or eight Penn state football players, a free camp presented by Lehigh Valley health network. I believe uh, Sean Clifford's going to be there. Um, I believe Jair Brown, maybe Parker Washington. There's, there's a bunch of guys, Penn, current Penn state student athletes that are going to be putting on yeah. this kid's camp this weekend. <clears throat> That's a step. That's a step in a positive yeah. direction. Uh, Nick Singleton's deal uh, with uh, Kim Hill. Some, 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 the home homes, the home company. Uh, yeah. The home company, yes. 
Yeah. My apologies. They're not advertising the, with the us, country. so I don't feel like we have to get it exactly right. But yeah, he's got it. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, so those those things I think are also positive steps uh, for Penn State. It's just a matter of getting it all. Look, if 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 this existed in a vacuum, and all you had to judge was, hey, Penn State's kind of getting these things off the ground. This is a new foray that originated on July 1, 2021. And you just looked at it and you said, okay, well, hey, like, here's evidence of deals getting done. All yeah. good. You would look at it and you would say, oh, th- this is progress. They're they're getting better. They're, they're taking steps. It's that it's not happening in a vacuum. This is a competition. And so the competition yep. is with 130, realistically, 15 other universities and their fan bases who are much more experienced at this. Uh, and all- <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Much more experience at this and and have those operations kind of up and running. And so Penn State has to catch up to that or they're going to get left behind. Speaking of sponsorships, uh, something I should have mm-hmm. done earlier in the show, and I apologize to PSU Ticks man, Jim. Uh, have you been looking for a reliable source of Penn State football tickets? Jim at TicksmanJim.com, formerly PSUTicksman.com, has been running his ticket exchange in Wilmington, Delaware for over 25 years. Every buyer is handled with courtesy, respect, and every ticket purchase is guaranteed. Proceeds are used to fund the PSU AA Chapter Scholarship Fund, and the PSU Levi Lamb Fund for Athletic Scholarships. Go to the home opener at Ohio Ohio U, the Ohio State Stripeout, or the Minnesota Homecoming Whiteout. Get your tickets now. Go to www.ticksmanjim.com. You see that here on the screen. Or email Jim at ticksmanjim at gmail.com. Call 302-521-8380. That's 302-521-8380. 8380, or as you see here on the screen, ticksmanjim.com. Uh, we got one more question I want to get to here on the show. And by the way, I'm gonna we're like an hour in. I'm I'm we're gonna talk Oops. about him tomorrow on the uh on the daily tomorrow as well. I feel bad about that. Honest Jay Paterno says, Tell me why or why not Sean Clifford is capable of being Stetson Bennett. Because the, the point of Stetson Bennett is not Stetson Bennett, it's the Georgia offense and defense. It's that Stetson yep. Bennett was a passenger on that vehicle. <laughs> I don't think people they realize almost he... derailed the train at the beginning of that game. <laughs> Do we not remember I, this? I don't think people realize because he almost never played how freaky George Pickens is the receiver. Oh my gosh. I loved watching the five plays that he had at Georgia. Holy cow. Former five-star receiver. Um, he can catch things that are outside his orbit and he can run. He can cut. He can jump. He is just, He's Gumby, but he's fast and strong. As long as he can stay on the football field, that dude is electric. And the defense, one of the best we've ever seen. So does Penn State have that? Does Penn State have that? Then sure, Sean Clifford can be way better than Stetson Bennett. But yeah, I don't think that they're Georgia 2021. Concur. I Can, can Sean Clifford be a person who is perceived as not being an elite quarterback that can lead Penn state to win a lot of games this year. Absolutely. You know, yes. Uh, Lead Penn state to wins, but as part of a collection of, it's a team game. And just, you know, I'm going to pound that drum over and over and over. 
takes 11 on each side. And if you're missing some spots or have some serious deficiencies, it impacts all of the others. Any other thoughts before we get out of here? No, this is great. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah, this is fun. How about we, how about this? We'll do it again next Thursday. Okay. All right. I'm in. All right. Uh, TBD on what we're doing tomorrow because Ryan Snyder is in the middle of moving his entire existence. So uh, we'll find out what we're doing tomorrow, tomorrow, but we're going to have a BWI daily edition for sure. So tune in uh, 3 p.m. on YouTube. We're airing the show on at 3 p.m. You can check out a live airing at 3 and of course, if you're listening to the podcast, you can get it wherever you download your podcast. Thank you so much, Nate. I, I started saying this on the channel. I think it was like a week or two ago. How many podcast listeners we have? Uh, it started out nearly eight thousand, and we're almost up to nine now, like a thousand people in a week. And that's just like in the last week. So thank you to everybody who watched the show. Thanks for sharing with your friends. Thanks for liking, subscribing, doing all the extra stuff. If you're here on YouTube and you like the video, thank you so much. We super appreciate the support, and you're going to get our absolute best. It's all the things to the wall come football season. All the coverage, all the time from Blue White Illustrated. It's going to be a great season. I'm super excited for it. And it all starts, well, it never stops. So we'll uh, we'll just keep going tomorrow with the Blue Daily. Talk to you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.